Welcome back to the Turn Row Podcast, everyone. I am your host, Ethan, and with me, as always, is Kevin. Howdy, everybody. So what we thought we would do uh, this week is have a bit of a wheat episode um, as we are approaching wheat planting and uh, maybe not necessarily planting as much, but when do you, you know, the, the prep stage of fertility, soil sampling, uh, seed treatment, just kind of a quick update as we're shifting gears from um, in-season corn and milo and whatnot to uh, to planting the next crop, which would, would be wheat. So, um, well, with that, Kevin, where shall we start, sir? Well, you know, it's it's good to see that we changes around the corner. You know, we were just talking before we hit record that <laughs> kind of in the dog days of, <laughs> of summer at this point. Yes. Um, yeah. But, which I don't know if we should timestamp this, but this is in the month of August. And down here in South Texas, every four wheeler breaks in August. <laughs> something. You know, breaks go out, a CV joint, a shock. It's, it's beyond that, though. I mean, I've had sprinklers fall over. <laughs> you know, it's just things are tired. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, last August, I had two wrap around themselves. Oh, no. In August. The, August this is a weird month. Yeah. You've watered hard, you know wells will grenade you know pivots will wrap and but one was pretty cool um i think it was like a six six tower pivot are you allowed and to say that what's that it was pretty cool <laughs> yeah. oh no i mean the, 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 the these are i mean the customer called me and it was our last watering on a cotton field last year oh okay and uh so well you know, half of the field didn't get a water it needed but um he, he called me and said well, I don't know if I if I should feel sick, but it's kind of cool. So, wait, what did you do now? You got a good said, attitude about it, yeah. right? He said, "Boy, he's like I can't be mad, but the, I mean, you know, they have insurance for that reason." But yeah, you know, the the pivot. He said it's sitting on top of itself. Said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm not telling you anything else. <laughs> Call me when you're over there. And it, it literally, uh, I guess it was if it was, say it was six towers and like it was like tower three that everything from the outside of tower three just kept going yeah and, th and the inside three stopped yeah and it literally walked on top of the other one it uh boggles my mind how powerful those sprinklers are you think oh they just go through you know at this slow pace but you know they'll walk over tractors <laughs> you oh, know like God. anything in its path <laughs> you talk about four low that is <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't no, know if yeah. you can get things geared any lower than that. And I've been around people um, that absolutely will not, like in harvest time, they will not park any any equipment in the cornfield because obviously you've somebody turned on the sprinkler to move it out, and at some point they know that it could be forgot to turn or you know they forget to turn yeah. it off and then walk over all your equipment so they just yeah don't even go there and so i have uh maybe a dozen or so corner systems you know customers that yeah. I check i check for and uh those bring a unique uh flavor of crazy to breakdowns they just you know Whatever kind of breakdowns you can get on a normal pivot when you have a corner system, you just dial up the notch a little bit, you know? So, when I was an intern, I was told 
like we had some of those corner sprinkler systems and there's a little cable on some of them a long time ago. It wasn't um, GPS or I don't know how they're controlled now, but, but anyway, there was an actual cable that underneath the ground that told it when it like to help it swing out or whatever. Yeah. There was a sensor. Yeah. And yeah. so, but this was, this was actually buried in the soil yeah. and <laughs> They, they, you know, we're going through the how tos because it was early on in the internship, and I think it was my first internship. And the, the agronomist looked at me straight in the face, and with, with with no emotion on the face, said, "Whatever you do, make sure you go in at least a tower and a half before you probe." And so I said, "Oh yeah, you know, no big deal." And I said, "But I've got to ask you why." <laughs> he goes, yeah. well, he had an intern that got a little lazy and walked in, you know, at the just it was a perfect storm. Walked in at the perfect spot, stuck the probe in the ground and broke the cable. So, so Oh my goodness. So, you know, the the sprinkler walked on itself <laughs> because the the cable was broke. <laughs> How did they find out that it was him that did it? Because I'm assuming he doesn't well, know Well, but obviously, if you go back, you'd see a probe hole. Because yeah. um, where I was interning was, you know, central Kansas, and um, they use the bucket probe to in yeah. the field method to do all their moisture. Uh, that, yeah, that's what we do. And, you yeah. know, as out here, you know, we use a, a penetrometer, but, you know, it was just <laughs> – you know how it's like finding a needle in the haystack. How, like the things that had to come together for that dude to to puncture the cable. You know, <laughs> you, you couldn't do that if you tried. No, no, no. But I mean, it's the same thing with drip tape. Um, we have a few drip tape fields, and you have to be very, <laughs> very careful because if not, they're gonna be like, "Yep, my agronomist, Ethan." punched a hole and he needs to fix this stuff <laughs> yeah so down here uh drip tape just naturally leaks so much yeah that nobody gets too like they're not mad at you it's like well come saturday and help me fix like five leaks and we'll call it good you know <laughs> except for some of them you have to dig quite the hole to get down to them I, yeah have you ever done it, it before uh i have i have watched yeah I worked on an experiment station and you know, we had to do that. And it, it's a, it's an interesting experience. You got to dig down to the hole, right? And then you just hope that the emitter is somewhere close because if not, you have to dig over to the emitter because when you splice it, you don't want to, you don't want to cut out your emitter. So sometimes you have to figure out where it's at and cut a bigger chunk out. Cause you, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta work yeah. around the emitter. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not uh, as as good as drip tape is. There, uh, there are some prices you have to pay for sure. But for I, sure. it blows my mind how they just they leak. I mean, just I don't know if it's insects, rats. It is. It's all the above. You know, gophers. It's just, they used to run um, butyric acid through their. Um, system to try and keep rats and mice and stuff and gophers out out of it, but it didn't really work that well. There's a there. Um, I don't know if we should say who. There's a 
a chemical company that has a special FOSS, liquid FOSS, that you put through a, a, a drip system that is so acidic that they actually advertise it to wash out your lines. That's like, good. Good you not know, bad, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, like, they don't hide the fact. Like, oh, <laughs> they, they're like, do not put this to a pivot. Yeah, but do I want to know. I want to know what poor soul had to figure that out the hard yeah, way. How, how many pivots fell over because they were <laughs> corroded to paper, you know? Yeah, no doubt. But anyway. So since well, let's talk, on that tangent, right? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about wheat. Um, I guess, obviously, the first step in any crop is a soil sample. So take your soil samples, you get your results back, and you build a fertility program. Yeah, I mean – like Ethan's saying, it's important to know where where you're at. I know that there's a lot of other decisions that have to be made. Is it owned land or are you renting it? You know, is it worth putting in? I mean, you still have to plan to grow a crop, but, you know, are you going to build or just maintain? Um, but soil sampling is absolutely the first step. Kind of exactly. gives you a a base point of, of where you're at. So, And you cannot, just because it's wheat – and just because commodity prices are low, you still have to farm. Yeah. I mean, but if you're worried about, if you're going to cut costs, fertility, it's not where you need to just do, put, you know, put a zero out there. Yeah. You know, it, now it, if that, you know, with commodity prices, should you be uh, concerned with building your, your levels? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying you need to know, you know, talk to your agronomist, decide, what does my crop need for this next season? And at least put that out. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's, what's yeah. realistic for my yield goal, right? You exactly. Know? Yeah. Exactly. What's, what's realistic yeah. for my yield goal and for um, the outlook at this point, you know, I mean, yeah. obviously we don't know what the price is going to be come June next year, but, but we still got to grow a, a decent crop, you know? Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, so. Once you have a fertility program established based on yield goals, maybe uh, moisture, you know, you may, maybe we'll throw a little bit uh, of that in the mix. Uh, maybe potentially weeds. doing take care you know, of your weeds. Weeds, yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and when I say why does moisture come into part? Maybe if you have subpar moisture, you hold off and side dress a little bit more than normal. Um, we've seen that in the past. It's well, we don't, honestly don't side dress a whole lot. We just use we fertigate. Oh, see around you know. here, and I, I would say even you know you get east of us, and I, I don't know where it would stop, but they they still use a disc, right? You know, yeah, to get things in. And around here, we use a set of sweeps, and you, a lot of it gets um, anhydrous, and so that's what a lot of guys are doing now. Um, we had some rainy weather out here, and Weeds that are a challenge. I mean, you talk about some kochia and Russian thistle that you can't hardly drive over with your four-wheeler. I mean, <laughs> some of it's getting pretty nasty. I would surprise you. The capabilities <laughs> of your four-wheeler that you can drive over, okay? <laughs> but but anyway, so, you know, it, it's also, I mean, think about the weed bank, too. Um, you got to try and – and a seed bed, right? I mean, yeah. because if you – if it's one thing to let weeds go, but if you let them get too tall, then you're going to have an uneven seed bed. And you're going to have trouble with your drill going through that. So, 
Um, exactly. But ho- hopefully, I mean, every year is different, so you have to you have to address the challenge <laughs> when it gets there. There's really no no perfect perfect exactly. storm, yeah. you know. And yeah. and and then I I guess going backwards a little bit, control your volunteer. It has to be. It needs to be by the book. Probably a month. You need you need to try and kill your volunteer wheat a month before you plant wheat, so you don't get um, wheat streak mosaic. And not to mention that's where a lot of um, that's where a lot of the host. You know, you're hosting for you're hosting insects for a crop you're planting as well. So yeah, you're you're priming the pump for anything yeah. bad. Yeah, I, I and then I know we're going. <laughs> logically you're thinking, well, well, why, you know, we're going through winter time. Well, I mean, they, there's, they still can do damage in the spring or excuse me, in the fall before you get to the spring. So, yeah. So, you know, down here, we don't get a hard winter very often that we measure our annual freezing hours, accumulative freeze hours. And so we don't rely on a winter to kill anything whether it's an insect, a disease, Mm -hmm. weeds, um, things will die, but you don't get a hard reset of a life cycle down here. Yeah. So uh, the reason I'm saying this, as someone who doesn't see that winter kill, and sometimes there will be volunteer wheat or oats, and I've had those conversations with growers like, well, there's enough out here. Let's just farm this. That was a bad idea. Well, now here – but, out here, it's the opposite. They're like, well, we've got cover. Oh, I'm going to put cows out. You know, it's the same thing. It's like, well, I got it. Why, why am I going to spend money to get rid of it when I can utilize it? Exactly. And, and but, but I guess my point about the, the, the hard reset with the winter is if that breaks a life cycle, whether it's a hessian fly or, a, you know, wheat streak mosaic, if you take care of your volunteer, now you've broken the life cycle twice. Yep. And that is going to pay dividends. When it comes to pests, the best way to do it to prevent it is break the life cycle as many times as you can before you even start. Do you guys have much wheat streak out there? Very little. We will get it. 2015, we had a bunch. I don't really know why, but... Uh, I think it was, we had some around here and it was devastating. It took, yeah. I know for a fact, it took some uh, irrigated circles that should have made a hundred down to 30 Yeah, or, or 20, you know, I mean, it was, it was bad. Yeah. So, uh, so we're, I guess we're, since we're diving into the wheat a little more. So we're mostly spring wheat. Um, we do have some winter yeah. wheat. The dry land will typically be winter wheat just so you can try to catch some more moisture. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do struggle with some hessian flies and and uh but uh lost my train of thought here um the biggest thing for us is one keeping those separated no doubt yeah but sure um but winter wheat um so in the last 25 years we have not vernalized three times on winter wheat and two have been in the last five years Oh no. <laughs> that makes you a little gun shy. Yeah. So last year there was some guys yeah, that planted winter wheat in October to Thanksgiving time frame, you know. 
and uh, which is pretty typical for us. You, you can plant winter wheat as late as Christmas here. Uh, wow! Wow! Yeah, it is. You're you're flirting with that line of you get enough heat units to make it go ahead and grow, but you you just need one real hard freeze to burn. Yes. Yeah. You know. So. Well, you know, we were talking before we started as well that we had wheat last year that was planted. We were so dry. It stayed there. I don't think a lot of it came until March. And that, that proves kind of your point that yeah. <laughs> it was barely sticking above the ground or some of it wasn't even germinated yet. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. Um, but so like this year, those guys who didn't vernalize, they harvested wheat. They finished on the 10th of July. Really? Which is about six to eight weeks late for us. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I don't know if you've ever walked into a field that hadn't vernalized, but there is no bigger kick to the stomach when you realize you have to make a phone call and tell your customer, there's no heads in here, buddy. So in that case, did they uh, bail it for feed? Um. So, no, it was one of those scenarios. It was dry land, and we got some late moisture. So, some of the later stuff actually vernalized. Oh, okay. Okay. So, they end up taking almost that scrap crop. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but I just wish there was something. And there may be, I may look dumb here, but um, I wish there was something we could spray to like ensure vernalization. So, I'm like chemical to chemically fertilize things. Now you're getting but, pretty deep. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I'm sure one of the the big chemical companies who charge like eighty five dollars an acre for it, you know, could afford it anyway. You, know? you can just get a bunch of ice, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dry ice. Get a bucket of dry ice and just drive around with a fan. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so anyway, you know, for us, wheat is a little unique and then, um, spring wheat will be planted anytime from Christmas to the middle of January. We have typically are, you are irrigated wheat, um, that we're going to really push is going to be spring wheat. So that we have plenty of water for. And I've mentioned before, you know, our my area is a little unique because we have white wheat and red wheat. So uh, we have issues, you know, making sure it's separate as well. Yeah. But, I mean, it, there's no rhyme or reason. It's just if you're in one area, you typically grow uh, white wheat. And if you're in another area, you, you don't. And it's and typically red wheat. For all five listeners out there. If you're interested in why there's multiple times a week, we have a three part series with Kevin's brother on milling of wheat. So yeah, it's really good. Actually. I was go, very, yeah. very pleased with how that yeah. turned out. Yeah. Go back to the library. Yeah. If you, have, if you haven't listened to my brother, that's very interesting. Yeah. So, so now you get to, to listen to me feel like an idiot, not just with one heck, but two. It's a very unique experience. <laughs> Realize I am the dumbest person in the room. Yeah. So, yeah, um, back to, I guess, where we were starting. You know, um, you know, we've got a seed bed. 
just make sure make sure things are are in the best condition you can so you 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 know you can um have good emergence and and I think one thing you know we always talk about making sure you're uh planting to moisture but they're like like corn you know wheat does prefer or you know it probably needs to be about an inch deep i i know in some dry land situations oh well we'll just dust it in but there is a yield advantage uh to actually getting consistent depth and not just laying it right below the soil you know or a quarter inch or whatever so it's also sure. harder for birds to get it yeah you know we have terrible sandhill crane problems with that just go pick well, around here if if we've got a sprinkler Oh, we'll just get it in, and we'll just water it up. It's, well, there is there is benefit to, to having yeah. it placed a little, because I mean, there's there's times where it's just on top of the ground, and it's it turns out okay, but <laughs> that's still a no no. But no, so and it is a stepchild. I mean, in most cases out here, <laughs> corn is king, <laughs> and wheat is a rotational crop. <laughs> yeah, so. I'll tell you a, fun, a grazing wheat story. This will blow your mind. Because the first time I watched somebody do it, yeah, I thought it was weird. But so, like, with, we're going to go to peanuts. Um, peanuts are dug. You know, they they're a crop that's grown underneath the ground, so they're dug and they're inverted. And then, depending on the weather, uh, with you know a week to two weeks later, sometimes three days, if they're dug in September. Um, you uh, you run a combine through, then it you know it picks up the windrows of peanuts and it you know thrashes the peanuts. So, uh, I had been here very long, and I see an airplane throwing out oats. Then there's four combines in the field, and so I called my grower. I said, "What are you doing? Like, I call the airplane for you." Oh no, we're planting oats. <laughs> you're planting oats and you're harvesting peanuts at the same time. So what? This is an old thing they used to do um, to have some winter winter grazing for stalkers. Is as they're ideally it's right before they're starting to thrash peanuts, but they'll fly oats on, and you know if your combine is set for a peanut, well an oat seed's going to blow right through it. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. And they scatter it just twice, and it, it runs through the peanut combine. And then when they're done, they turn the water on. <laughs> That's wild. You know, I say that, but um, there's cover crops that are being flown on right now in eastern Kansas, far east Kansas. Yeah. You know, their corn's probably pulling pretty decent starch line. And there was a there was some people uh, flirting – with that last year, I was helping a guy, and they uh, they blew it on <laughs> one of those deals that the agronomist didn't tell me. Like, what is this? We got weeds. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah. <laughs> we got yeah. weeds coming. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, I mean, there there are some cases where they here where they'll fly it on and then just continue irrigating and and get it up. Yeah, and that's what they'll do as soon as the 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 uh, the peanuts are thrashed. You know, and they're pulling out of the field. Somebody runs over and turns a well on, but yeah, that's interesting. You know, and that's also not for a crop. That's just to get a little winter, winter oats for some. Cattle. For sure. You're not, you're not going to harvest, you know, that um, 
that crop, but uh, oh, definitely, yeah. So back to wheat. We, we've talked about um, soil sampling, fertility. Seed oh, and, and I guess one bed. of the major things selecting the right variety, right? You know. Oh, of course. Do do, do some research. Go through. Uh, you know, for instance, around here in Kansas, we a lot of us rely on um, K-State, and I'm trying to remember the name of the wheat book. Do you, you know what the, remember what that wheat book is that we get? No, I, I typically only read books from reputable institutions. Oh, so. oh man, now we're going to go down another one. But anyway, <laughs> check with your local extension, local universities, um, and, and see what varieties have been performing well, and um, especially look at the disease packets like we were talking about mosaic and um stripe rust and uh let's see what you know some of those things are are very important to make sure and don't overlook common rust if you have a variety that's extremely susceptible it can be a major problem and it really costs you in the end even though it's kind of it's an easy disease to clean up um if there's a variety that it does not grade well on that it can really yeah, don't overlook it just because it's an easy fix, you know. Um, and, and, you know, we don't really think about wheat being – well, I mean, it can be a high-value crop, but you talk about corn being a high-value crop and treating your seed. But in some situations, wheat seed needs to be treated as well. Um, yes, we do treat uh, all got, every bit. If we've got wire worms or, you know, the, the wheat treatment does work. So um, yeah. don't, and don't that, be afraid to do that as well. Yes, and that – when it comes to um, like the Russian wheat aphid and and wheat curl mite and things like that, your best plan of attack is a seed treatment. You know, I don't. Are y'all putting insecticides on your with your seed treatment? Um, you know, I I would say some of it's treated, not not all of it. Um, so most of around here, it would be we address some of those insects later, like the Russian wheat aphid or, and stuff like that. We would address it later on in the spring if we, okay. if we had it. And, okay. and that's not to say that there's sometimes that things have came in early and we've had to treat it. But typically if we get some sort of, you know, brown wheat mite or winter grain mite or, or Russian wheat aphid or oat aphids get really bad, um, that would just be addressed in the spring. Okay. We're, and, and that's the difference between that. We were talking about the winter, um, our lack of one for us is things can build probably a little quicker for sure. And are we, and that's why we, it, it's a cheap investment. Just if you're already treating it with, um, maybe some kind of, um, fertilizer or something, it's, it, it, it's good to go ahead and put an insecticide on that. Um, and all we we're talking about K state, if you are in the spring wheat, industry north dakota state has some really good stuff yeah probably gonna um, have to go north because they grow a lot of that up up there exactly that's actually where i get all my stuff from the dakotas um there's not a whole lot of spring wheat research but up there they have primarily spring wheat because it's they have too much winter kill so the opposite of you know we don't fertilize, so we grow their varieties uh, that they develop because of winter kill so it's kind of <laughs> it's it's kind of the opposite of why you think but um, A&M, Oklahoma State, K-State are really good. All three uh, are really good for winter, re re winter wheat research. But when it comes to spring wheat, um, the Dakotas universities in that area have always been really reliable for us. 
So, and um, don't forget going back to wheat not being high value. If, if your bin run seed is, is getting more than a few few years out, please, it's probably time to to, to spend some money and get some some good you know some good seed. Not to mention, it might be illegal what you're doing. So yeah, I mean it, it works for a while, but I, at some point, you know your your disease package and everything does lessen yeah. the further you get away. So just exactly. I, I guess be aware of the risk you want to take too, right? I mean that's that's what you're talking about is is accepting <laughs> accepting risk. You know if you're not gonna if you don't fertilize uh, as much or if you um, don't treat or, or if your seed bin run or your bin run seed is getting far out. I mean, that's fine. And there's a lot of people that have hit home runs doing it, but um, it doesn't always work that way. So there are much more singles than strikeouts. Yeah. Between those home runs. <laughs> yeah. So, for sure. you know, for um, sure. Um, all right. So when it comes to, uh, I think we've kind of got this wheat crop going um, in season. You know, I think you should uh, make sure you appropriately side dress or fertigate, you know, to your yield goal. If you top get adequate dress. moisture. Top dress. Top, top dress. There you go. Yep. Uh, uh, what did I say? I don't know what I said. Side dress. Side dress. There you go. Top dress. Same you thing. Can, it's just you can, kind of you can tell how much wheat that we actually have. Yeah, we do and have, how, and how little uh, non-fertigation we do. Yeah, we we do have a few folks out here that have um, a coulter rig, and that they do what you would call side dress. You know, they're running yeah. liquid. High I love coulter rigs. Yeah, I, I I wish I had more of those around. Yeah, there's not very many around here, actually. Yeah, they're just they're. Uh, it brings a unique aspect to the to the. Uh, program but, for sure yeah. yeah so when you're making those decisions think about what moisture you've had maybe a current weather pattern um you know if you had you know, if you're to that point and have not had a single drop of rain then maybe you should cut back what you're putting out you know um so and make uh, sure I, I guess going back to the weed thing make sure your your downy brome or your cheat um, and your bindweed is under control or jointed goat grass or some of those that are terrible in, in some continuous wheat situations. I mean, they can be dealt with um, like on the brome and cheat, but that has to be done or is better if it's done at planting with a herbicide application um, with like a, an Olympus. I can't think of the the chemical name of it, but not to, not, not to just no. throw out one, one, no. one chemical company, but yeah. Way to go, know, Kevin. Uh, now everyone, now everyone's going to think we're on the take. Yeah. <laughs> but Way anyway, I mean, just making sure that you're being mindful, uh, you know, cause man, you get some of the cheat and, uh, or downy brome come up and it can be in mats and can destroy, you know, your yield in spots. So, Exactly. Not to mention trying to clean it out if you're trying to save, um, <laughs> you know, save save your wheat for seed too. And, and you know, honestly, the best way to, to and I think Kevin's wrong here. The best way to get rid of that 
is mold board. Just flip your soil, bury all that seed, and bring some fresh ones up. That's clearly the best option, and nothing can go wrong. <laughs> Not everybody gets over 20 inches of rain a year. Oh, well, if that's the case, we're about a 12-inch deficit. So, On but, a normal year, though? Uh, we're at 22. Yeah. 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 But... Um, no. So what, yes, Kevin, I, I agree with you there. You know, the, um, I'm glad you brought that up. It brings another thought to my well, mind. And, and th if you think about it too, if you have a fallow rotation, not everybody does. We're weird out here in Western Kansas because of the moisture, but it, you know, in your, in your fallow or even in your other crops, make sure you're keeping, keeping some of your wheat, uh, weed species under control. You know, it's, they're pretty easy to kill. A lot of them are very easy to kill because if you're growing beans or corn or something, you can, you know, you got tons of options to get stuff taken care of. Whereas in crop, it you can't really do a whole lot. So exactly. And, and uh, another avenue I see growers that uh, when crop prices are not so hot is they won't put out a pre-emerge herbicide on their wheat. See and. A lot of times we don't. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it, it, that decision's made in March based on mustard pressure, or, you know, kosher, yeah. uh, thistle. But, you know, so that that's another decision, which very rarely do I do that, honestly. Um, yeah. So, th But that's why it's important to have a good seed bed and to have good planting depth because then you're going to get an even canopy that weeds are not going to grow through and maybe save you some some dollars on those herbicides. Yeah, that is definitely key. Making sure you have enough tillering and enough shade in the row to where uh, you don't have to worry about it. You know, come spring when it takes off and starts growing or uh, I guess in, it doesn't apply in your part of the world with spring, but you know, after it goes through vernalization and it starts growing that it, that it does shade the row. And yeah. when it, then you have, then you don't have as much to worry about. And then that's going to help you uh, post harvest as well, you know, or, or right at harvest, you won't have as many weeds. There's nothing fun about green material going through a combine. No, 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 no. Especially when it's in the shape of a kosher. It just goes, <laughs> just barfs yeah. it right out the back end. <laughs> Along with a good amount of wheat seeds. Yeah, so. no doubt. <laughs> so you lose yield and you have volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> but um all right kevin so what's next we've talked about fertility seed depth bed prep um variety selection um i think that about wraps it up don't you i mean yeah i think so well you know let's talk, the last thing i want to talk about is a flag leaf and the importance of a fungicide application of flag leaf yeah the, um i always 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 protect my flag leaf my last and I think it. I think truthfully, it depends in your area, Ethan. I mean, if you step back and and think about our listeners, it could be all over the place, because in our part of the world, we're dry, arid, so we don't we don't usually have to do uh, a fungicide application because we don't have the disease pressure, right? Whereas you get in exactly. your part of the world or other parts of the world that are more humid, and it is yes it's a no-brainer like you have to be very careful so and that so typically when wheat is starting to flag um mesquites have not greened up yet you know um there's 
we're just kind of getting that more. So we have some, we're kind of kind of a weird hybrid of arid and non-arid, you know, I guess temperate climate. We're kind of in the transition zone. Um, and that is a month typically when we will be humid and may potentially get some rains. And you also have to think about what we're near, you know, in Central America, um, it's not freezing. It's tropical. There's all kinds of fun, fun things. And we're upwind from that so that you, you know, you will start to get some, some things blowing with the wind. Um, and you don't know when those are coming or what's going to be coming. And that's why we protect our flag leaf because we, you know, and, and like Kevin said, you know, if you're farming wheat in Colorado, you probably don't have, you know, you're on the front range. You probably don't have as much weed or disease pressure as we do down here. Um, but um, if you are in a humid climate, a disease prone climate, the flag leaf, that, that's kind of where you make your money. And it does. Let's go back to genetics, right? Genetics and, and seed selection. If you know it's going to be a problem, you know, pick, pick a pick a variety that's going to yield well, but also is going to cover your your backside on the disease pressure as well. So exactly, and what we talk about making decisions and accepting risk. You know, a conversation that you may want to have is, do I if this variety is just a home run hitter, it's going to have fifteen more bushels guaranteed, but the the disease pack packages is she is not subpar then is that a risk you're willing to accept knowing i will put a fungicide on this wheat because the yield will pay for the fungicide and more well and, and you're you're going back to the budget essentially you know exactly in the numbers yeah. okay yeah does yeah. does this pay off right yep yep so it all snowballs it all builds off one another so, um, well, Kevin, with that, any more, any more nope. tidbits you want to add on the wheat? Probably about time to wrap this one up. All right, sir. Well, do you want to tell the fine folks at home where they can find us? You can email us at media at cropquest.com. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at CropQuest Inc. Yes. Thank you very much. Send in your questions, comments, concerns. Um, nothing bad, please. You know, we have fragile souls. We don't want to hurt our feelings. No, we'd love to have feedback though. Love to have feedback. And please, uh, if you got any suggestions on what you'd like to hear, please, uh, shout out to us. Yep. With that, we'll see y'all next time. See ya. Our business is knowing the business of growing. We take pride in your success, being better than the rest. Crop West.